Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, my motivational quote today is actually by someone who I respect a lot, and I, I think his books are amazing. It's by Jack Canfield, and the quote says, Greater self-esteem produces greater success, and greater success produces more high self-esteem. So it keeps on spiraling up. What if self-esteem, what is self-esteem, first of all, and are we born with it? If we're actually born with it, then is it society or the world that helps to diminish our self-esteem over time? Or are we actually just good at devaluing ourselves on our own? How do we learn to put ourselves down with such ease? We joke about the things we dislike about ourselves, and we even allow people to treat us disrespectfully. We know it's wrong. We know we should stand up and speak out for the injustice of it all. Yet, we sit quiet and allow our self-esteem to be squashed like a bug. Today, we will get some answers to this, these very important to-, to this very important topic and these important questions. We have televised self-esteem expert, Dr. Patricia Knoll. She is a speaker, consultant, and the author of Good With Me, A Simple Approach to Real Happiness from the Inside Out. Uh, Patricia is a mental health counselor, certified addiction professional, acupuncture physician, and founder of Focus One, which is an outpatient substance abuse treatment program that, had, that was licensed by the state of Florida in 1989. And today, she's going to she's gonna tell us why another relationship bites the dust. Is there a chance that it might have something to do with self-esteem? So, Patricia, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm just so pleased to be here, Connie. Yeah, I, you know, I love this topic, uh, Patricia, and I know you're very passionate about it. And I think that we devalue ourselves on a regular basis, and I don't even know sometimes that we're doing it. So, first of all, tell us why our relationships don't work out the way we want them, or, or maybe we, the way we think they actually should. Let's start with that. Okay. Um, they, they don't work out, and, and you're so right. It does not only have something to do with self-esteem, it has everything to do with self-esteem. And, and by that, I mean real self-dependent esteem and not the other dependent type of esteem that we have for ourselves that we've just been conditioned to have by society. Can you give us some specifics when you're saying everything has to do with self-esteem. So what can you maybe define it? That probably would help the listeners. Sure. Um, if I don't feel good about myself and I don't have real self-esteem, then I'm not going to feel good about you either. So I'm going to pick on you. I'm going to see the things in you that I don't like in myself. Hmm. And before I know it, you know, I'm, I'm really not that great of a partner in a relationship. And it could be any kind of relationship, too, Connie. I want to make that clear as well. It isn't just our significant relationships. This can happen in, in friendship-type relationships or work-type relationships, uh, even family relationships. 
between siblings or parents or, you know, when we start to see those things in them that we don't like in us, then we start to nag and nitpick and, you know, they're not okay. And it's because we aren't okay with who we are to begin with. Let me ask you a question. So, you know, I I find this bizarre, but, you know, you hear people say, oh, I haven't spoken to my parents in 10 years or my sister in 15 years. And, you know, you say, like, wow, why? And, oh, you know, bad stuff, bad blood. And sometimes I think, do you even remember why you haven't spoken to the person? Do you think at the core it's this whole idea of, the, the self-esteem where I'm seeing things in you that I don't like so we actually destroy the relationship and end up not speaking to each other is that do you think that's at the core of those kinds of um, stories that we hear much of the time yes in fact most of the time unless it's just um, someone who's really let's say abusing a substance you know alcohol mm. drugs that's mm. really difficult around them but even then their abuse is founded and rooted in the lack of self-esteem they don't feel good about who they are they don't feel good about anything in general so the drugs or the alcohol they they think they have this illusion that it makes them feel good Mm. but of course it ends up not working that way in the end of course but yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just because I hear when I hear those stories of Patricia, I'm like, oh my God, how do you not talk to a family member, especially a close family me- member like a parent or a sibling? Um, that's bizarre. You know, that's bizarre. Right, right, and yet there's so much of it going yeah. on that you know it's it's sad, and yet at the same time, what's really sad is why we don't know more about why we do those things. Where is that coming from? And, and truly, if, if I don't like me, I'm not going to like you. I might pretend to for a long time, and I might put up with a lot, if you can hear what I'm saying there, and then mm. eventually I just let it go. I, I don't want to be part of it. Either it, it doesn't fit for me because I don't like myself, or with that lack of self-esteem, it also um, could be that you don't do the right things that make me look good to others. And I'm not able to disconnect and see where you leave off and where I begin. Yeah. So that, it's, my, it's, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'll just finish real quick. So my feeling good about me is wrapped up and connected to you and how you look and how good you look. Is that why um, folks get into relationships with the same type of person uh, over and over again because of that link of where do I begin and where do you begin in a relationship? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's partly it. But here's the, the big underlying reason is that like attracts like. Sure. Right? It's Sure. It's a, a, a rule of the universe. You know, it's a law of the universe. So like attracts like. So if I don't have real self-esteem and I don't feel good about me, 
then I'm going to be attracted to someone who's on my same emotional level. Their lack of self-esteem might manifest a little differently than mine does, but we're going to be emotional equals. So if I'm looking at that person and saying, oh, you do this and you do that and that's really stupid and I don't like that, then guess what? I'm really knowing that that's who I am and I'm seeing my emotional equal and not liking it. It's crazy because it's really, like you said, most people don't even know where it's coming from because it's such a uh, deep subconscious and I would think some deep-rooted whatever baggage on my word you know baggage that we're carrying probably from when we were kids now I have another question in your book good with me you talk about mm -hmm. self-dependent esteem and other dependent esteem what do you mean by that and how do both influence these relationships good good question so what I mean by self-dependent esteem it's I like me. I esteem myself from the inside out. So, in other words, you know, I just esteem me because I'm me, because I exist, because I'm alive, for no other reason. And that is really a hard one for most people to embrace and wrap their minds around. Because what have we been taught by society? We've been taught and conditioned to have what I call other dependent esteem. In other words, Connie, in order for me to esteem myself, I have to have the right things, do the right things, know the right people. I need to have you esteem me, and then I can esteem myself. So it comes from someone or something outside of me in order to make me feel good about who I am. How are we taught that? I, I totally get that concept, 100%. How do we get that other dependent esteem? Well, I can tell you a story about my, myself, and, that, and this might help explain it. When I was a little girl, I, I grew up really dirt poor. We lived out in the country, and a big event would be to get all dressed up and drive away to an ice cream store. And so every time we would go to the ice cream store, my mother would say to me, now, Patricia, do not get that ice cream on your dress. Don't let it drip on your dress. And, honey, it was ice cream. So <laughs> ice cream would always drip on my dress. And I was always in trouble for that. And what I learned really quickly was, oh, my gosh, I have to be a certain way. Mm. I have to do this right in order to have my mother like me, in order to get her approval. Otherwise, she's mad at me. She's upset with me. And those messages are subtle at first, but we internalize them. And there are so many ways that that happens. You know, we might be starting uh, uh, preschool these days or, you know, um, daycare even, and we might see that, oh, my gosh, I have to be a certain way. I have to do a certain thing. Uh, I have to color in the lines. Yeah. And if I don't, there's something wrong with me. And so we get those messages that 
it's dependent upon the way we are, what we do, and then later what we have. You know, I, I've realized pretty early on that when I first went to grade school, oh, my gosh, I don't have the same kind of clothes. I don't have designer labels on my clothes like everyone else does. And so I started to see that, oh, I'm different. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and really what you just described is we are judged at such a young age. It's, it's tragic, so, you know, and, and we're all wired that way, by the way. I, I totally get what you're saying. And it's society to some extent. It's, you know, how you're raised, like your mom. And she probably meant nothing by it. Maybe she didn't want to wash the dress again. You know? It could have been something. Exactly. Yes. Had nothing to do with you. She was probably tired and exhausted. But the child sees, I'm not good enough. You know, I spilled the ice cream on my dress again. What's wrong with me? And we, we have that self, that record player starts playing in our head and we start grooving it, you know, with deep grooves to say I'm not good enough I'm not pretty enough you know whatever it is now the these resentments that we get in these relationships whether we realize them or not like in that instance as a child we don't realize that um, we think we're resent like my mother resented that I got the um, uh, ice cream on my on my dress for example right how do we eliminate them is there is there a way that our listeners can kind of be aware and, and change that Yes, and, and the first step to that, Connie, is really paying attention to what we're thinking about ourselves and, and paying attention. You know, a lot of people don't even realize that they're the ones responsible for all the chatter in their heads. You know, all those thoughts, they don't even realize that they are creating that and they can make that happen. But those thoughts that we have then create the way we feel. So if we're making up a story, let's say, about ourselves, I'm not good enough, I didn't do that right, I don't have the right things, then we start to feel that about ourselves and then that makes us feel bad about who we are or I'm not good enough or I have to work harder to be better. And then we just become focused on that. So we've got to pay attention. What kind of thoughts are we having about ourselves day in and day out, you know, minute by minute? And then once we realize, oh, my gosh, I'm saying that to myself about myself, now we have a chance to change it. It's interesting. Um, recently I was asked to, I got an email. This is how it started. I got an email and I was invited to sit on an international advisory council and also to speak at, um, uh, an event in India, a huge event in India, 2,000 people, 150 countries. But my initial instinct when I saw the email, we'd like you to be on this council and we'd love for you to speak at this huge event, my first thought, Patricia, was it's got to be a scam. Who would want me to talk on that kind of platform? And at first thought. And so I, I kept reading like, yeah, what's the catch, right? See, again, thinking this is a scam. And sure yeah. enough, 
a, a colleague from Canada who she's been on my show, I've been on her show, we, we've uh, forged a, a really nice uh, friendship. And she referred me to this council because of my background. She thought it was another um, additional industry experience. So I emailed her and I said, is this a scam? You know, and she immediately said, oh my God, no, it's for real. And I referred you because of, you know, their depth of knowledge. And, I, and then my response, really? <laughs> we do it. We all do it. And, and I, I caught myself, I knew I was doing it too, Patricia, and yet it, it's hard to stop. And then afterwards, after I realized that, no, this really wasn't a scam, I mean, I had to do my due diligence. And, of course, I investigated the website and everything because I certainly don't want to waste my time either, right? Um, but then I realized and I thought, oh, my goodness, somebody, you know, values me that much. And, of course, it felt good, but I thought to myself, you got to stop doing that. Why did you go to that bad place when, yes, you are relevant. Yes, you do have insightful thoughts once in a while, uh, so all of those things, we all do it. And it's, um, you're right, we have to notice them and then shift how we think because we, we all bring something wonderful to the table. We all, um, I believe, are in this world to share whatever it is that, whatever our strengths are, our passions are. I think we're here for a reason. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting that you said that because that was recent. It was about three weeks ago that this happened. So uh, just interesting. Let's take a quick break. Yeah. Um, when we come back, if you could give some examples on how self-esteem, how, how self-dependent esteem works in creating a healthy relationship. So let's, that's great. Identify and shift how you think about things. But if you could give us some real concrete examples, I think that's super helpful. Okay. Sure. Be glad. Right, quick, awesome. Quick break. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. As children, we cocoon ourselves in the safety and love provided by our parents. When tragedy strikes and that cocoon is suddenly ripped away, it can be devastating, especially for teens. In her new book, Ms. Bambo, author Carol Craig Cowan Lanyon talks about growing up in ways one never could have anticipated. Ms. Bambo details a mother-daughter bond born of tragedy and fused by love. It's about loss, growing up, and mysteries that will forever remain unsolved. Read Ms. Bambo, available now at Amazon.com. Okay, we are back and we are speaking with Dr. Patricia Noll and we're really talking about how self-esteem affects everything and every relationship. And again, we were just speaking about those little record players in our head that were not good enough. So we have to address it and change the way we think. But Patricia, if you could give us some examples, again, how self-dependent esteem works in creating healthy relationships, for example. 
Sure. Well, in order to have self-dependent esteem, we, of course, have to back up a minute and change the way we think about ourselves and to get rid of those resentments that we have in our relationships. And one way to eliminate them is to start being responsible for ourselves. You know, it's... We're, we've been so taught, Connie, you and I both, is that we're here to take care of everyone else first. And if there's anything left over, we get it. But, you know, usually there isn't anything left over. And when there isn't and we're busy taking care of everyone else first, we become resentful. Mm. And the reason we're resentful is because we're just not taking care of ourselves. And so we've got to learn how to start being responsible for us and we've got to learn to do something that goes against everything we've ever been taught and that is we've got to learn to be selfish and that's a tough that, one I mean, that's a tough one it sure is because what do we think immediately oh that's bad but mm-hmm. here's here's why i want to explain this because this is so important it's such an important step it's me first you second if i nurture me for example if i fix myself something to eat and i eat then i have energy to fix a lot of food for you but if i don't eat and i just give all my food away then what happens to me i run out of energy i have nothing left to give in fact one of the things i say is don't give all your water away You know, if you do, it's all gone, and now you're dehydrated and you have no water left. So then we get resentful. Oh, I gave you all my water, and I have none for me. Well, it isn't their fault. You gave it. So if I take care of me, I have way more to give, and I get to do it in a kind, loving way rather than full of resentment. Yeah, that's so so true. mm Mm-hmm. That is so important, and it's such a hard one to do. So the so thing that, that I would ask. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so how, how do we, I totally agree with that, too, because if I'm not healthy, I can't take care of my family. You know, it's the plane, right? If you're on an airplane and they tell you um, at the beginning, right, when the mask comes down, the um, oxygen mask, put it on yourself before you help others because otherwise you're going to pass out and then you're no good for anybody else, especially if you have a child traveling with you. So totally makes sense. Now, how do we, again, take that self-dependent esteem and, and maybe shift to create healthy relationships? Okay. First of all, give yourself permission to take care of yourself and to put yourself first. That's, that's number one step. And then, as I said before, monitor what you're thinking about who you are and recognize how you're thinking about yourself. And here's the other thing. If it's negative, be honest with yourself and own it. It's okay. You see, Connie, when we don't have real self-dependent esteem, we want to pretend that we do so that no one else knows that we don't have it because when we don't have it, There are four what I call attachments that go with the lack of self-dependent esteem and that need for other dependent esteem, and it's that need for approval from others, the need to look good so we get approval, the need to be right 
so that we look good and we get approval, <laughs> and the need to control so that we're right, we look good, and we get the approval because we're worried about what other people think about us. And you know how well control works in relationships, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Not so good is right. So, you know, so if we can start to stop pretending that we have real self-esteem when we don't and stop faking it, and just take ownership of, okay, this is where I am right now. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It just means this is what's going on for me right now. Let me own it. Let me then be able to change it because I'm owning it. And without ownership, we can't change anything. It's interesting because how many times, and then I know everybody can think of a family member or a colleague that they work with, that someone will come to you and offer their opinion, even if it's not asked for, but they'll come to you and say, you know what you should do, um, this is, this is, you know, you want to lose weight, but this is what you should do, and they'll talk at you, and then you look at them and think, well, you're so perfect. How are you telling me how to live my life when your life is in shambles? And what I found when you have folks like that, it's easier for them to look out and correct you than it is for them to look in and self-correct or start working on themselves. So I like what you said that, first of all, own it. None of us are perfect. Deal with that, right? But own it and say, okay, I, this is a flaw I see in myself or something I would like to get better, whatever that is for you. Mm-hmm. And every time, like that negative self-talk, right? Me going to India and, and immediately thinking, oh, it's a scam, right? That who would want me? But I shifted my thinking to say, I do have important things to say. I do care about people. I do want to change the world. So every time I have that negative thought, I don't beat myself up anymore. I go, wow, there it is again. Who would have thought? I thought I was getting on top of that. And then I shifted to... I am relevant, I am intelligent, I do love people, um, I do care. And by shifting that, those negative thoughts happen less frequently. But you know what? They're still there. So I I just find that people who like to correct you need a lot of correcting themselves. But it's easier, right? Isn't it easier for me to tell you what to do than for me to look inside? Well, sure, because now the focus is on you and not on me, and that's exactly what I started out talking about. What I don't like in myself is what I see in you that I don't like. Right. So that's an thing. So when someone does that to me, here's, here's what I know. I know that each one of us criticizes or judges others to the extent that we do that to ourselves. Mm. So if someone is criticizing me like you just described, Now what I know is, oh, that's interesting. You just told me a lot about you, and I know that that's your issue. It isn't about me at all. It's totally yours. You own it, and I can let it go because it isn't mine. Perfect. And that's really true. That's really true. And yet, so many of us buckle under that type of criticism, thinking, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, when really it's the other person projecting. So to me, that makes complete sense. And I hope that example um, helped the listeners go, yeah, yeah, people do do that. So now, another question. So this um, the self-esteem, the self-dependent esteem, 
how, what are some of the things that folks can do to shift from the other dependent to that self-dependent, which is the healthier one, clearly? Sure. And to start that shift, as I said again, you've got to know what you're thinking about yourself. And when you catch it, change it. Wait, 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 wait. Rephrase, new word, not going down that path. That isn't true. And what evidence do I really have? Really, honestly. Because here's what's happening, Connie. We're all just making up a story about ourselves. Mm. And our story can be accurate or inaccurate, but it won't matter which it is. If we think it and then we buy into it, it's our story. We own it. It's real for us. So one of the ways that I like to see people start is by, first of all, doing something for themselves that they would be doing for their best friend or someone else. I want them to start showing and treating themselves as if they have value. Because we do it for others, we'll, oh, I'll fix you this, I'll get you that, I'll do that for you, I'll pay for this, I'll buy you that, rather than, oh, I won't maybe do it for myself as readily. So I want them to start just doing little things. And the one thing that I want them to start doing is to pick a word that, or a a body part even, or something about themselves that they like. And I want them to just focus on that for, you know, for the day, for the week. Just keep focusing on those things that they do like about themselves instead of the things they don't like about themselves. And because that can be really difficult at first, then pick a word or or pick your fingernails or your eyelashes or just something. It can be small, and then we can grow and build from that. Yeah, shift from what's wrong with me to what's good about me. And and that's a really nice way to, uh, to shift. And it's funny, I like your idea of do something for self that you would do for a good friend because that friend is valuable. So do something for yourself because, oh, by the way, you are valuable, right? What a concept. So simple. Two great, two great ideas. Now, we have about two minutes left. I do want to ask another question that I, I think is important. So I know that you believe that the lack of both self-esteem is responsible for unhappiness and I agree with that can you tell us why yes and it's just because we're always pretending and faking and trying to be as happy as we think everyone else seems to be without realizing it that most other people are just are faking it as well and so if we're not happy with who we are which is at the root of everything then we're just not happy. We're not, you know, we might have moments of happiness. Oh, I just got a new car or somebody said, oh, you're awesome. But it doesn't last. And that's because we don't own it from the inside out. We're always looking for it from the outside in. You know, you asked a question at the beginning. I hope I have time for this. You said, are we born with it, with self-esteem? Some people are and some people aren't because the fetus 
senses and feels and hears in the womb in that third trimester. And if mom says, oh, my gosh, this is going to be tough. This is another mouth to feed. i got to quit my job. What am I going to do with this baby? And we just already know that, oh, my gosh, there's going to be something wrong with, with me. And so sometimes we're not born with it. Sometimes we are, and when we are, then we lose it because of the messages that we get. So we've got to give ourselves different messages and not be dependent upon anyone or anything outside of us to do that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. and, And that's so powerful because now you're in control of you and not someone or something else. Yeah, and and everything you're saying is so true. Our our thoughts are so powerful. Whether we realize we're having good or bad thoughts or not, like you said, we can we could have learned this in a wound. So there's not even a memory attached. It's just that internal feeling of I'm not good enough or I'm a burden or I'm a problem, right? So mm-hmm. you know the the old saying, our thoughts become our reality. But isn't that the truth? What we think comes to fruition and becomes our world becomes. What what is before us so our, our minds are so powerful and yet we think we can't change it and that's the furthest thing that's why I love doing the show because we are the architect of our own change we can create anything we want you have to believe it and then you have to like your two simple little exercises You know, do something kind for yourself to say, I am valuable, and then pick a word or a body part or something simple that you say, oh, I do love that about myself, and shift to those positive things, and the next week start with another thing that you like about yourself, and it really becomes this own momentum that helps us become better, and I just think that everyone should love themselves because if if we're happy inside, we project happiness outside, and you know what? Maybe we really can change the world. I think we can. I think we can, too. And, and Connie, I hope we have time for this. It's so simple. And you kept repeating that word. And, yes, it's simple. And I just want to leave you with this thought that Steve Jobs, the late CEO of Apple, had, has been quoted as, as saying, simple can be harder than complex. You mm. have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. And I say to that, my own quote is, simple doesn't always mean easy, especially in the beginning when you still think it's hard. It's true. It's true. Okay. Yeah, we can, uh, that, brilliant. Two brilliant quotes. I agree with both of them 100%. Yeah. And yeah. so we get okay with ourselves then we will be attracted to someone else who's okay with themselves, and that's where you get to have the healthy relationship that lasts. Yeah. And that's fun. It's magic. It's actually magic, right? Yes, it is. So everybody, I hope you loved today's discussion, and here's the deal. If you go to Patricia's website, and again, you know I'll post it on, on the Web Talk Radio Architect of Change website, but you could go to goodwithme.com, all lowercase, all in a row, goodwithme.com, and actually uh, Patricia has the first chapter of the book, 
there for you guys to read for free. Um, and then, of course, you can buy the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, indie bookstores, electronic version, all that kind of good stuff. So join, um, go to our website. And also, I think you have, are you on, is it Facebook where you have a, a little community group like like-minded people? I am just about to start a Facebook group of like-minded people. Yes, Connie. Awesome. And also, when they're on the website, I want to remind them I have something new, and it's Notes to Self. And it's just new positive messages that you can start telling yourself in order to start feeling better about who you are. I love that. Oh, I love that. That's so up my alley. I love I love job aids. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to reinvent it because you've invented it for us. That's awesome. Right. It's a, it's a quick starter. It gets you going. Love it. I'm going to actually go and print that out right now. Uh, Patricia, thank you so much uh, for being on. And I, I really hope people found value in this because I think that change starts from within. And I think you gave us some tangible tools. And now even this positive message through your website that we can um, it, just start to work on and not overthink what we should be thinking, just thinking those positive thoughts. And I know that's hard sometimes to shift. So thank you for that tool. Thank you for the first chapter of your book. I hope everybody reads it by the way great book you know I always read the books that of the guests that I have on I feel that it makes me better um, at hosting the show but it also makes me better uh, just to learn these different perspectives and, and different tools that are out there so I do it's a good read um, I highly recommend it uh, thank you again Patricia for your brilliant insight um, thank you everybody for joining us today and I hope you join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize we got this. We got this every day. Um, thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks, everyone. Please go out, have an inspired week, and choose to think positive. Thanks again. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.